everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Richard Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Jill Cruz, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Cruz's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Cruz. Good morning. It's great to be here again. Thank you for being here. We're going to be talking, our Prairie Doc topic this week is cancer, a big topic and a topic most of us have some sort of connection to, for sure. Definitely. How did you come to kind of decide this, we're going to do this topic this week? What kind of brought it to your attention? Uh, Well, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so that's kind of a a good way to kick off the month of bringing up awareness about breast cancer, which is one of the most common cancers out there, Um, skin cancer being the most common, uh, but breast cancer definitely being the top cancer uh, in women after skin cancer. So definitely a good thing to talk about and the importance of mammograms and breast cancer screening because definitely... um, Early detection is your best predictor of a good outcome if you're diagnosed with cancer. So the sooner you can find it, the smaller you can find it, the quicker you can take care of it. Um, I always tell people it's easier to put out a campfire than a forest fire. Mm. And as you know from forest fires in in California this year, I mean, they're fighting a really hard battle. And if, if your cancer spreads to the point that it's the size of a wildfire, you've got a much harder battle and there's going to be a lot more collateral damage in the rest of the body trying to fight that uh, process. So if we can find things super early, then it's going to be the least impact on you, your health, and your life. Mm -hmm. And when we come in for our regular physicals, you know, that detecting it super early, um, many parts of our physical perhaps relate to kind of watching for some of those things. Is that right? Definitely. That's the the purpose of the annual physicals to make Mm -hmm. sure you're really up to date on all of your screenings, that you have your vaccines up to date, that we're doing everything we can to kind of uh, make sure that you're healthy. The point of a physical is not really to address problems, but to look for problems more, Mm -hmm. um, to see that you're ready. So it's not really the time to talk about, oh, I I found this or I found that. Um, That's more like a a guided visit where a physical is, does everything look good? So just Mm -hmm. kind of this preventative checkup to make sure, okay, if you're over 50, have you had your colonoscopy? If you're over 40, have you had your mammogram? Where are you on your pap smear screening, your prostate cancer screening, your skin cancer checks, um, you know, depression screening. So basically an annual physical, it's screening for cancer and any other uh, health problems. So we're looking for problems um, rather than treating something that we know is already there. Right. I really like that metaphor of the campfire or the forest fire. Mm-hmm. So if we can take care of things early while they're small, a lot better success. Definitely. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. Well, we are here today to talk about um, 
cancer or any other t medical questions you might have for Dr. Cruz, we're going to be going to our first break and give you some time to call in with those questions. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. The five major symptoms of a heart attack are chest pain or discomfort in the center or left side of the chest that lasts for more than a few minutes or goes away and comes back. The discomfort can feel like uncomfortable pressure, squeezing, fullness, or pain. You might feel weak, lightheaded, or faint. You might even break out into a cold sweat. You may have pain or discomfort in the jaw, neck, or back. You may have pain or discomfort in one or both shoulders. Shortness of breath may come with the chest discomfort. Other symptoms of a heart attack could include unusual or unexplained tiredness and nausea or vomiting. Women are more likely to have these symptoms. Call 911 if you notice symptoms of a heart attack. Promoting health and safety, the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We're talking today about cancer and some of the um, screenings and latest research um, and how that has all been changing as well. Almost all of us have someone we know or love who has been diagnosed with cancer. Dr. Cruz, in your essay this week, you reflect on an early memory you had of someone with cancer. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, so I talked about my next door neighbor who um, was my mom's best friend, a really good friend of the family, the whole family. I mean, we went on vacations together and, and spent so much time. And um, she was one of the, the big influences in my life growing up. I'm like said, she was more powerful than my mother. And so I knew she was a very strong woman because she could tell my mom no and my mom would listen. And no one told my mom no. <laughs> so... Um, I loved her dearly, and she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and uh, passed away about, it was just a few months after her diagnosis. It was, I think, five or six months after she was diagnosed. So uh, at that time, uh, she was placed on hospice care, I believe in the hospital. It was over, back then it was Sioux Valley, so yes. now Sanford. Yes. Uh, and at that time, they had visiting rules um, that they didn't want anyone under 12 in the hospital in the patient rooms so my parents found a break when the nurses were like not at the desk and quick snuck me back in because how old were you I was five you were five <laughs> yeah so I was five and I just it's one of my very first clear early memories that mm -hmm. I have of growing up of walking in that room it was really dimly lit there was just kind of an upshot light above the head of the bed and, you know, my mom told me she's not going to have any hair. You know, she's going to look very different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she didn't want me to be scared or, or worried. Um, but I went in there, and it was just so good to be with her mm -hmm. and to see her because I was worried. I missed my friend. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom missed her friend. And uh, I basically um, didn't realize it at that time, but that was my chance to say goodbye mm -hmm. um, to her because that was the last time I saw her alive. And um, just seeing how everything affected her because she had been through chemo, she'd lost all her hair, she'd lost a lot of weight, she was very um, gaunt and emaciated, but she was still her. 
you mm-hmm. know. So um, it didn't change, you know, her physical appearance changed dramatically, but she was still the, the wonderful, loving person that I knew. And I just had so many questions after that of, you know, why did this happen? And, you know, why did she lose her hair? And why was she so thin? And why did she lose so much weight? And, you know, why did this happen to her? And, yeah, I just, I had more questions than answers. And my parents didn't really have any answers for me, or at least not as the satisfying ones that I wanted at five. And at five, you ask a million questions. Yes. And that really, I think, set me down the path of, well, if I'm a doctor, I will I will know all this mm-hmm. and I will have answers and I will have the ability maybe to save, you know, if not save her, then save someone else I love. And um, I, I really feel it was more divine providence and guidance that God has just put so many things in my path of experiences of being in a hospital and um, showing me either through example of what to do or example of what not to do, of what kind of doctor I wanted to be. Uh, based on the experiences that my friends and family members have had, uh, just because there have been so many health issues um, with family members and and friends, um, that yes, I'm still in that journey of trying to get those answers. Why? Um, uh, I think naively, I thought someone when you go to medical school, they hand you this giant book of all knowledge, and it opens up, and and the skies part, and angels sing, and and you know everything, and now you can fix it, and um, unfortunately, that was that was an arrival fallacy for me. That uh, it's a journey, and the journey is never going to be done about learning. And you know, we're learning with medicine, even with with coronavirus, that we're never done learning about anything in medicine. We're always constantly evolving, adapting, learning new things. Um, and there's always going to be another why question mm-hmm. to answer. So um, definitely, that that started that journey, but it's. Um, not going to be done till the day I retire. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to reflect on the fact that your um, mom gave you that experience. I think as parents, we often try, we, we're always navigating like what is healthy for my child? What's a safe experience for my child? What, how will this experience, would this trouble them? And um, that experience, she probably had to think about a little bit before, Mm -hmm. like, how do I, and it sounds like she prepped you Mm -hmm. and talked about what that experience would be like, but how amazing that she let you have that experience. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, and and I can tell you as, um, because there were other times where I will tell you as a child, giving them age appropriate information is very important, especially with any major diagnosis like cancer, you know, heart attack, strokes, because kids will imagine the worst. Mm -hmm. And if you don't tell us what's going on and and explain in a a way that you can understand, that they can understand, they will make something up Mm -hmm. to fill that void of knowledge that they don't have. And trust me, it will be worse and scarier than anything you could possibly tell them. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, because I had been that child that was, you know, when my mother was in the hospital, many times the doctor came in the room, I got kicked out and sent to the waiting room. And I'm sitting in that waiting room thinking, when I come back in, they're going to tell me she's going to die. Mm-hmm. And then when they didn't, I'm like, they're lying to me. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, so you, you need to tell them and, and let them know uh, what's going on because, yeah, kids will will come up with their own mythology of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think finding that 
conversation and and telling them and again in an age-appropriate manner right uh, they don't need all the details but they need to know that um, what's going on what to expect and um, you know they're gonna feed off your energy so if you're giving off that terrified scared powerless they're gonna pick up on that even if you say oh everything's fine mm -hmm. then they're definitely not gonna believe you if they f they feel that that um, angst and worry um, so it's okay to tell them we don't know. Mm -hmm. It's okay to tell them we're scared too, that we're hoping for the best, that we're praying for the best. Um, but let them know, I would say, what's, what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's really great advice. Uh, my seven-year-old, you know, has been hearing about the forest fires. Mm -hmm. um, and she was like, can they go across the river? <laughs> and I asked for their questions. Mm -hmm. And um, she was worried about the forest fires coming to Brookings. Mm -hmm. And um, she was thinking about that Missouri River that she yeah. knows about in South Dakota and wondering if that would save us. And, you know, so their, their minds really do go. And so it's good to answer their questions. We looked at a map. We talked about where things were mm -hmm. and just answer their questions and yeah. um, so when dealing you know if grandma and grandpa are in the hospital with mm -hmm. a heart attack or had a stroke or have cancer you know asking them what their questions are and really um, trying to find the root of that fear and because mm -hmm. um, if you don't address that their minds already there yep mm -hmm. absolutely yeah that's that you got a good mom but you have that experience that's good yeah. um, so what is cancer so cancer is basically a cell that was kind of hijacked and cells are supposed to go through a natural process called apoptosis where they basically when they've reached a certain age it's time for them to die and then be replaced with new healthy cells so a cancer cell um, doesn't get that shutoff mechanism so and it just goes into this um, replication mode so basically cancer cells are rogue cells that all they do is get bigger and replicate so they're just um kind of like gremlins when you mm -hmm. put water on them and then all of a sudden they're just popping out new ones mm -hmm. and you know it goes from being that happy little gizmo normal cell to something happens to it it changes it becomes a nasty gremlin and then all of a sudden you've got 500 gremlins and they are causing havoc and destroying things throughout the body because they steal all the resources they want all the blood they want all the energy they want everything so they take and they push the normal happy cells out of the way so basically that's uh, what's happening with cancer so it was started out as something normal healthy in your body and then something changed it to not behave normally like it should Okay. And what are some of the common causes of cancer? Uh, a lot of times it can be uh, a genetic mutation. So there's some genetic predisposition in your body. Sometimes it is a relation to something in the environment, um, you know, radiation, um, certain things can just trigger it. I don't know if we had a great idea of what was causing things, it would be easier to come up with a way to prevent the cancer mm -hmm. in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> sometimes we never find the cause of uh, what starts the whole process off. Uh, but there's something that happens inside the cell and whether that's you know a, a mutation, uh, something that just happened by chance, um, we know there are certain chemicals that can predispose people to getting cancer. So lots of different things, but to say for, again, with cancer being such a broad topic, mm -hmm. which cancer, uh, different causes. 
So it's probably as clear as mud. But so lots of be, things. It could be, be genetics. Could be genetics. Be environment. Could be environment. Yes. Could be both together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. A lot of people say that uh, genetics loads the gun, environment pulls the trigger. Oh. Mm-hmm. So you need, sometimes you need both. Sometimes mm-hmm. one is sufficient. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to take our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. Look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Being alone or with very limited social interactions during the pandemic can be difficult. With some effort on your part, there are some ways to decrease the effects of isolation. Keep a schedule. Stay active. Do something meaningful like working on your genealogy or organizing photo albums. Connect with others by letter, email, phone, Zoom, or try online games. Find comfort in old movies or lighting a candle and having a cup of tea. These are just a few ideas to get you thinking. You can do this. If you find your loneliness getting out of hand with feelings of depression, call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to answer your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Our Prairie Doc topic this week is cancer. So we've been talking a little bit about how important it is to go in for our regular exams to make sure we catch things early. Um, Wanted to talk now about some of the common treatments for cancer. Yeah, so there are many different treatments, and that's why I'm so glad I have uh, the guests on for this week with uh, Dr. Ben Solomon and uh, Dr. Uh, Michael Peterson, because they treat cancer in two completely different ways. So Dr. Ben Solomon's a, a hematologist, oncologist, and he treats mainly with the chemotherapy. And then uh, Dr. Peterson's down at Yankton Medical, um, uh, down in Yankton with Avera, and he is a radiation oncologist. So he uses radiation therapy to help treat cancer. So they uh, use lots of different tools to treat cancer. Chemotherapy is probably the one that we most associate with treating cancer, and that's using a, a chemical that attacks rapidly dividing cells, and that's what cancer cells are. They're, they're constantly dividing and, and growing fast, so chemotherapy attacks those. <clears throat> uh, then there's radiation therapy, again, using radiation to uh, shrink a tumor, and we know radiation can both cause, it's one of those interesting double-edged swords. Radiation can cause cancer and radiation can also treat cancer. So radiation from the sun's rays can cause skin cancer. Um, You know, multiple x-rays can increase the risk of cancer. We always talk about mitigating radiation exposure when we're doing tests with patients because of that small risk. But yes, so we're basically sometimes fighting fire with fire. Interesting. In Mm -hmm. this aspect. There's also a a type of, a specific type of radiation called gamma knife radiation where it's uh, extremely uh, pinpoint so you're getting a very narrow beam and just trying to do that a lot of times that's used with uh, brain cancers because we want to just target a very very small area and not have that um, affecting any of the other surrounding uh, brain tissue there's also hormone therapy uh, some 
cancers are more driven by hormones in the body. So if we can block those hormones, uh, especially like with breast cancer and, and some of the gynecologic cancers, if we can block those, then we can end up helping that. There's also um, bone marrow transplants. Um, and that's a lot of times with cells and cancer involving the bone marrow, where we basically kind of wipe out the patient's entire immune system, kill all the bone marrow, and then replace it with new healthy bone marrow from either a donor or harvest it from that patient and then somehow make sure there's no bad stuff in it and then give it back. Uh, so there's lots of things. Oh, and can't, uh, surgery, <laughs> obviously. If there's a lump, cut it out, mm -hmm. remove it. Mm -hmm. So lots of different ways that we can treat cancer. Skin cancers, um, kind of the cancer that gets very little respect unless it's melanoma, but mm -hmm. some of the superficial skin cancers we'll treat with cryotherapy where we freeze the cells and use that to kill them. So many, many different ways that we can treat cancer and depending on where it is, what it is, and um, where else it's spread kind of depends what we use. Sometimes we use a combination mm -hmm. therapy. So there's lots of different options for treating cancer. Very good. We um, got a call in asking, um, the caller heard good nutrition, eating fruits and vegetables can be helpful in preventing cancer. She wants to know your thoughts. Definitely a healthy diet is um, important for preventing cancer. Uh, high fiber diets, again, which fruits and vegetables are high in fiber, uh, can lower your risk of having colon cancer. So uh, we found that in Africa where they're eating more uh, fruits and vegetables and fewer uh, red meat and fewer animal products, high fat diets, that they have fewer incidence of colon cancer. So high okay. fiber, we seem sounds like the fiber kind of scrapes that in line of the colon and can scrape away those precancer cells before those polyps can form. Um, they did studies in people from Japan and found uh, they had a lower incidence of cancer there. But when they moved to the U.S., their cancer rate increased to the same uh, risk of people who were born in the U.S. So there's definitely a, a, the Western diet and the American diet uh, tends to be a little bit uh, more likely to cause uh, cancer because of the high fat and high cholesterol level. So definitely... You know, eating the rainbow, I always tell people shop on the outside of the grocery store aisle. So if it's closer to the way it, it came um, in the field or, um, you know, the way God made it, yes. the better it is for you. The more you go internally on a store, the more processed the food is. And when we process it, we're adding preservatives, we're adding salt, we're adding all sorts of things that can contribute uh, to lowering your health. So very good question. Yeah. So eat those fruits eat and healthy. vegetables. It is, it is true that that is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, we have a question. What is hematology? So hematology is the study of blood and blood um, disorders. So uh, when you're talking about uh, disorders where the blood doesn't clot properly, um, disorders of um, the white blood cells, disorders of the red blood cells, um, there's things that are called like thalassemias where the red blood cells don't form properly. So um, they go along with the, we also abbreviate uh, the oncologist heme onc. So hematologist oncologist. So that means they study both. So um, 
I will t- sometimes when someone has a blood disorder, I'll send, I'm like, I'm sending you to the hematologist, but they also specialize in cancer, but you don't have cancer. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's always sometimes very important to preface when I'm sending patients because like, you sent me to a cancer doctor. Do you think I'm dying of cancer? I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no. They also specialize in blood because um, there are a lot of cancers that involve the blood cells, um, especially the leukemias and lymphomas. So, mm-hmm. Got it. Yep. All right. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio, and we will be back following this message from the Avera Medical Group. Attention drivers, there are many bikers on the road. Please remember these rules. Share the road. Bicyclists have the same rights to the road as motor vehicles do. It is the law to allow three feet between your car and the bicyclist. Give bicyclists space on the road. When turning right, look right before proceeding. Always check the sidewalks as well as the traffic lanes when merging or turning. Slow down and watch for pedestrians and bicyclists. The Avera Medical Group Brookings encourages drivers as well as bikers to help prevent accidents. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Jill Cruz is here to answer your medical questions. We have a few minutes left if you want to give us a call at 605-692-1430. We've been discussing cancer and um, cancer treatments and different types of those. Um, Dr. Cruz, as a primary care physician, what are some of the most important screenings you recommend to your patients? All right. So, and again, screenings all are based on age ranges, and the U.S. Preventative Task Force does give those guidelines that we go off of. Um, The first one that we talk about with people is um, usually young women starting with their pap smear. So that's probably the first cancer screen that uh, people are, or at least women are introduced to. And we start that at age 21 and then continue through 65. um, And depending if a woman has a hysterectomy for various reasons that could get it uh, done sooner. Um, But that's checking for cancer on the cervix or the opening of the uh, uterus here. Uh, also with the pelvic exam, we also check the ovaries uh, for kind of ovarian cancer screening because that one's a very difficult cancer to find because it's so um, vague in its symptoms, just kind of kind of abdominal bloating and, and some mild vague pelvic discomfort. Usually that cancer is found late because it it really doesn't have any good blood tests to screen for it. It has very vague findings. Um, and very vague symptoms for patients. So again, that's why the pelvic exam is important as well as the pap smear. Um, Breast cancer screening, again, starting mammograms at age 40. I just had mine last week, so Mm -hmm. now you know I'm in my 40s. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And between 40 and 50, there's a little bit of debate about how frequent that screening needs to be, but I do recommend uh, talking with your doctor about what your risk uh, for breast cancer is and then uh, having that shared decision-making with them. Uh, colon cancer screening, we recommend starting that at age 50. The gold standard is still the colonoscopy. I love that one because not only is it a screening test, but it can remove precancers before they turn into cancer. So it's the only screening test that actually can be preventative, prevent you from getting cancer, which is great. Because while they're doing the colonoscopy, they're able to remove those tiny little exactly. polyps before they can be a problem. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... And then uh, definitely skin cancer screening, doing a skin check, because skin cancer is, like I said, the most 
common cancer, and there's different types of skin cancer, basal cell cancers, squamous cell cancers, and uh, melanoma. So again, depending on the type and, and where they're at, uh, that's your, but your, your skin's your largest organ of the body. So we, we need to look at that and make sure there's no issues there. And then for men, uh, prostate cancer screening is also another thing to look into because again, the prostate can cause issues as you get older. So those are, I would say, the big ones that we think about. If someone has a long history of smoking, uh, de definitely talking about lung cancer screening, and there's a low-dose CT scan that we can do if you meet certain criteria uh, for a number of years smoked and um, doing that to screen for lung cancer. Because, again, that's another big cancer we need to look for. All right. Well, thank you for sharing all this great information and um, encourage everyone to make sure they are going in for their regular appointments, stay on top of these things. And um, I've learned a few things today. Thank you, Dr. Cruz. Before we go, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. This Thursday, October 8th, the On Call with the Prairie Doc Television show will be Tools for Fighting Cancer. Prairie Doc host Jill Cruz, along with oncologist Dr. Benjamin Solomon of Avera Medical Group Oncology and Hematology in Sioux Falls, and radiation oncologist Dr. Michael Peterson from the Avera Cancer, Cancer Institute, Yankton, answer viewer questions about the latest tools for fighting cancer. Watch the full episode live this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for The Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Jill Cruz for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.